Welcome back to another episode of Homeschool Talk with HCS. That's Heritage Christian School in San Diego. A private Christian home education umbrella program, or PSP, serving homeschooling families nationwide since 1988. I am the show producer, Lilia Sepulveda. Now please welcome your host, HCS principal, Vicki Stermoen. Welcome to another episode of Homeschool Talk with HCS. I am your host, Vicki Stormowen, and I wanted to start by thanking you for your awesome feedback for the show. It has been so encouraging to hear that you are being blessed, challenged, and encouraged by the various topics we've covered thus far, and we are always open to new topic suggestions. Just shoot us an email at hcspodcast at hcssd.org, and we'd be happy to incorporate your suggestions for future shows. Today, I want to talk about a phrase that has snuck its way into the homeschooling world that really has no place being there. And that is the idea of your student somehow falling behind in a homeschool setting. Now, it's not like I don't understand the intended meaning of those words when when they're spoken, but really you need to ask yourself the two obvious questions when confronted with that phrase. One, falling behind whom? And two, by whose standard are they falling behind? In a classroom setting where the class is expected to progress at more or less the same pace, such a phrase has meaning and context. Either you're keeping up with the set pace of the rest of the class, or you're not. Hence, you are falling behind the rest of the class. In a homeschool setting, though, you have a class of one, even if you're homeschooling multiple children. The class that any particular child is in in a homeschool setting is a class made up of the individual student's abilities, strengths, and weaknesses. In this individualized class, the speed at which they are expected to master a concept is not thrust upon the student. Rather, the student is setting the pace based on what they can actually do or not yet do. When the material is grasped quickly and the student is ready to move on, you move on. Even if moving on in that preset lesson plan of the particular curriculum you're using didn't call for you to move on. And it's usually in that scenario, the moving on beyond the preset pacing of the curriculum, that everyone gets all excited and talks about how wonderful the homeschool movement is and how wonderfully it all works out and how perfect the one-on-one model works. But when it's on the other end of that scenario, when the student isn't grasping the concept, isn't able to complete the lesson, isn't ready to move on to the next lesson, then the freakout moment happens and the, oh no, he's falling behind myth pops out of the box. Realize, though, that it's in that moment that your student isn't ready to move on that homeschooling is actually working fabulously, because in the homeschooling model, you can just stop. You can slow down. You can take a week on that concept. You can even set it aside for a time and come back to it later. And you can do all that because no one else is setting the arbitrary pace that your student is told he has to keep up with. The fact of the matter is everyone learns at different rates, and in the primary grades in particular, while the brain is developing, the differences are much more pronounced. Kids hit roadblocks, and sometimes they just aren't ready for the predefined lesson that is sitting in front of them. Trying to get them to grasp something their brain isn't yet ready to process is very frustrating, but it doesn't have to be. Your child isn't falling behind in that moment. They simply aren't ready for that concept. 
do something else. Come back to it another time. You have 365 days to get through roughly 180 days of school. You have some wiggle room in there to put something on a back burner if need be until the academic challenge you're facing works itself out. And this may mean some going back to past lessons and reviewing past concepts that build up to the concept they're struggling with. That's okay. Do that. Yes, even if it means you're on lesson 45 for three weeks. If that's what's needed for the student to fully grasp lesson 45, then spend that time. Review that foundation and be thankful that you homeschool and can give your kid that blessing of being able to stop and work through the challenge. So real life example, I've taught all nine of my kids to read and with some minor differences here and there, they were all able to get through our phonics program and be reading at roughly the same level by about the end of first grade. Well, not so with one of them. And it came out of nowhere. It took me totally by surprise because this child was further down the lineup but we were making little to no progress in both kindergarten and all through first grade with reading. And so I did this really radical thing when we started second grade. I set reading aside. We did lots of oral reading with me reading out loud, played phonics games, worked on writing, but that was it for language arts. Um, this student did very well in math, so we ran with that for second grade. We emphasized math very heavily, and we got through a year and a half, almost two years of math in one year. Um, all the while taking the frustration and negativity toward reading that was developing completely out of the picture. Towards the end of second grade, I started noticing some changes. So I started over with a brand new phonics program, and I started at level one, which was supposed to be for first graders, and we're at the end of second grade right now. And by the end of third grade, we had reached the end of level four. Why? Because now, for whatever developmental reason, the student was ready to learn, understand, and retain phonetic instruction. And now, many, many years later, you would never know that that child was my latest one to learn to read. I thank God we were homeschooling and were able to take that needed break and focus elsewhere until readiness was achieved. Because I know full well the labels that would have followed this child forever in a different setting. This student did not fall behind in second grade. This student was provided a customized second grade education that worked with the strengths and weaknesses we had to work with. And that is what homeschooling is. It's customized education with you working with the abilities and challenges of each individual student, regardless of the arbitrary predefined pacing of an outside publisher or classroom. Embrace the challenges. Don't be freaked out by them. It's in those challenges that you should be most thankful for the opportunity God has given you to homeschool your kids. They aren't falling behind. They're being met academically right where they are. Of course, we can't talk about this falling behind myth without dealing with the sometimes needed reality check of our own diligence as the homeschooling parent in having our kids do school. Sometimes what we mean by falling behind is that we have been so busy with other aspects of our lives that we haven't sat down and done school with the kids. Or if they're older and more independent, we may not have prioritized their schedule to ensure school is getting done. Or we haven't followed up with them to make sure that they're even doing school. In that situation, falling behind means something like, today I'm supposed to be on lesson 96 and I'm only on lesson 72. I'm behind. Well, this is a different issue entirely and not to be laid at the feet of homeschooling as the reason your kids are behind. 
This is simply you needing to reschedule priorities, either for you and or them, to ensure school is a priority and is getting done every day. And this is a reality of homeschooling that not everyone loves to hear, and I get it. But the reality is homeschooling does involve some parental involvement and time. Depending on the student and the foundation they have, it may be very little of your time, or it may require a significant portion of your time. But throwing some books at your kids every year and saying, good luck, sink or swim, probably isn't going to result in the outcome you're hoping for. There is a time investment that you need to put in as a homeschooling parent. But even so, remember that 365-180 comment. You have 365 days to get through 180-ish days of school. Yeah, you may need to school through the summer for a subject or two if you've gotten off track with Plan A, but you have plenty of time to work with. Get back on track and make whatever life changes you need to make or routine tweaks that need to happen to be more diligent in getting school done. This may involve asking a friend to hold you accountable with a weekly check-in. Hey, are you on track this week with school? Maybe it means getting a mentor to fill that role. Maybe it means taking something off your plate for a season until you get caught up and then rewarding yourself with returning to that thing or activity once you're back on track. Maybe it means relooking at all of your kids' subjects and taking out any extras or supplemental things for a time. Or maybe it means reevaluating everything you're doing outside of school for your student and needing to trim that a bit so you're home more and able to homeschool. Your pre-homeschool life and your homeschool life will likely look very different. If you thought nothing was going to change and you just kind of throw this homeschooling thing into the mix, you may need to step back and think through how to really make this work and stay on track. And if you need help with this, reach out. Let's talk. Talk to someone in the office. Talk to someone at class day or at a club you're involved in. HCS has a ton of seasoned moms who are walking this road just like you. See how others are making it work and see what they're doing to mitigate the falling behind scenario. And these ideas also serve as my takeaway for this podcast. As I've said before, homeschooling is not a solo sport. Use your community. Find people to help you figure out how to make this work for your situation. You will be hard-pressed to find a seasoned homeschooler out there who has not gotten off track with Plan A at some point. What did they do when that happened? How did they get back on track? And more importantly, how did they stay on track? Talk to people, get the help you need, get back on track and find a realistic, doable plan for you moving forward and dump that whole falling behind lingo. You and your student are setting the needed pace to deliver a customized education per the needs and abilities of both them and you. So since I have a seasoned homeschool mom sitting right here in front of me, Miss Lilia, um, I'm going to ask you what... um, People can be asking other seasoned moms, one, as a homeschool mom, did you ever fall behind? <laughs> and two, what did you do to get back on track? Or how did you how did you navigate that? Absolutely, more than I'd like to admit. But it happens. And one particular thing that stands out, when my girls got to high school level and they had more input in their activities, uh, what they wanted to do, the clubs and sports they wanted to play, our days got busy with all these activities and work just kind of started getting set aside. And so I noticed that we also got into a rut of trying to get them up in the morning and it was so difficult. They're not morning people. And so they were kind of ready to start schooling when I was ready to call it a night. (laughs) When it was nighttime. And so I just thought, okay, I'm not going to fight anymore every morning. 
you, what we're going to do from now on is whenever you're ready to start school, that's when you'll start. And that's most likely going to happen in the evenings. So by this time, though, you have to remember that you, I did instill that foundation of learning and getting things accomplished. So by the time they get in high school, they're a little more independent. And so now the, the rule became or the schedule became that you can start school when we're done with the day, when you're done with your activities, when we're done with church during the week or your youth group or whatever it is. And that usually ended up being around seven, eight at night. And so they, I went to bed at eight, nine, and they continued. And the rule was you just work until you fall asleep. And it, I discovered that they're apparently night owls. Their brain works better at night. There's less distractions at night. Their phones were in my bedroom by nine o'clock. So they didn't have that distraction. Their friends were asleep. And so they really just got more stuff done. And then they would just uh, put everything in my inbox. And in the morning, I would be able to see what they got through. So they were working on their own, but I was still checking that everything was getting done. And it worked out. It just became known as our night school years. And it worked. That is so awesome. So there's three things I want to comment on that. Sure. <laughs> I love that story. Um, so one, the whole scheduling thing, and I think I've mentioned this before, there is no right time to homeschool. And so I love that right. you saw that it was not morning was not working for your family, which is traditionally when we all think school needs to happen. Right. Um, and so you just acknowledge that this isn't working for us. So we're not going to do it. What's right. working for them. They seem to be able to work all night. So let's change it up. Let's change it to that. I love that. That is one of the greatest things about homeschooling is you get to make those kinds of decisions. True. Um, second thing you said that I absolutely love was the follow up. It wasn't just, you know, do your work at night while I go to bed and we're all just going to go our separate ways the next day. There was accountability built in. Um, That's right. I love teenagers. I love my teenagers. I know you love your teenagers. I teach a lot of teenagers. Um, they need accountability. That's right. <laughs> There's very few of them. There are some. But there's very few of them that are really self-motivated and will do the work with, with no accountability. So um, that they that your kids knew they had to turn it in somewhere. There was a basket or whatever it was. Yes, that you had. And, and that you were going to check that every yes. morning, like that, that accountability of this has to be done. And I am going to be checking this daily. That is, that's huge. That's awesome. Or else the fun stuff doesn't happen. Yes. And that's, and that's important to be able to say that, you yes. know, I, I love that this activity in your life, but it doesn't come before that's right. school. Um, and then the other thing you said had nothing to do with this topic, but I'm going to comment on it anyway, because I loved it. <laughs> Go and for that's it. the phone thing. Yes. <laughs> um, phones done or and not up with them while they're doing school, whether you're doing school in the morning or in the evening. But that concept of during school, you're doing school. Right. <laughs> right. And you're not addressing the texts and the different things that come in um, to distract you because life is distracting enough without um, giving them something that we already know is going to distract them. Oh, absolutely. Further, so. And parents are under a lot of pressure to provide these devices for them. Otherwise, they're like the mean parent and we're like in the dark ages and everybody has them but me. Right. But, you know, and, and that's understandable, but you have to hold them accountable to it and you have to give them rules. And I just don't understand how some kids 
you know, have the phone in their room all night long. And then parents are surprised that, oh, you know, he's been on the phone all night. Well, what do you think was going to (laughs) happen? You know, because they can't control themselves still. They're young. So definitely rules, boundaries. I love that. Thank you for sharing that story. I mean, it just, it exampled so many wonderful things about homeschooling with just the scheduling and the accountability and just kind of some boundaries for them. So thank you for that. That was awesome. Vicki, I would like to add, since we're in the topic about falling behind, something that's very dear to me and I'm very passionate about. And I think if you heard the alumni interview that we did last time, you heard my daughter say that she had a couple of learning disabilities that we discovered along the way. And so this became really important for us. So um, there is this thing in public school, IEPs. Mm. And it's something that a lot of parents fight really hard to get. It's not easy. I myself started doing that because even though we're homeschoolers, the school district is obligated to help you with that. Of course, they're not going to want to help you. And they made it very difficult, very difficult. Uh, and, and it's the same story I hear from many Family. So when you'd finally obtain that IEP, you don't want to give it up because you know how hard you fought to get it. And so parents find that either it's still not working or they want to homeschool, but they're so scared that they're going to lose this IEP. It be, and the school does kind of push it on you and say, well, you know, you're going to lose this if you leave. And my question is often when I'm asked, do you, does Heritage have IEP? Can they take an IEP? I always ask the parent, what does your child get at school with that IEP? And the answer usually is, well, they get more time for tests. Someone will come in and pull them out of the class and read with them one-on-one for half an hour. And then I ask them, what do you think homeschooling is? You can give them all the time to take the test or don't test them or do an oral test instead of a written test. And you can read with them one-on-one any time of the day. And so once they understand that, they grasp like, oh, you're right. Now, there is some IEPs that do have more attached to it, like speech therapy and and that kind of stuff, which is also available, probably not free, through insurance, there's programs. The point here is that it is possible. Don't be afraid that if you homeschool, you're going to lose your IEP and your child's going to fall behind. Because as you just explained, your own child if in public school, would have been labeled as a student who has special needs Mm -hmm. or has a learning disability. And you know what? When you mentioned about being labeled, I have a friend who's been a public school teacher, now retired for many, many years. She was a public school teacher. And when I would talk to her about what I was going through with Jessica, uh, she told me, you know what, Lilia? I'll give you one piece of advice. Never let them give her an IEP. First of all, it's not easy to get. But second, she said, if you get it, you qualify for it. I wouldn't do it because that label's going to follow her forever. And you just said it too. Yeah. And I remembered that she told me that. And so it's just an encouragement for parents 
who are going through that, there is assistance, there is help, talk to someone. Talk to, because you'll be surprised how many parents have gone through that and can feel what you're feeling because it's difficult. It really is an emotional situation. It was for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a lot of tears shed. <laughs> but uh, speaking to someone who's already gone through it, and for that encourages, is very helpful. Thank you very much for adding that. I, You and I have talked a lot about IEPs. We do get that question a lot. Um, and I just say a hearty amen to everything you just shared. I There's many homeschoolers here um, who did have an IEP when they came to us. And ironically, they found that by removing their student from the classroom setting actually fixed a lot of the problems they were having that gave them the IEP to begin with. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> because it was when they brought them home that they were able to customize the curriculum. They were able to customize the schedule, how things were delivered, how things were taught, um, the pacing of the curriculum, the pacing at which things happened. And it just, it corrected many of the things that they got the IEP for to begin with. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Great encouragement. Thank you for adding that. Okay, on to the HCS happenings portion of the show. For those of you interested in basketball, it is right around the corner. Camp starts next week on the 15th. Signups are happening right now. We are bringing back K-3 through basketball, which I'm so excited about. This is such a great way to expose the younger kids to the sport and have them more prepared when they're old enough to finally participate and be on a team. Um, my kids, a couple of my kids did this, and um, watching these little kindergartners <laughs> run the, the length of the basketball court in the little practice jerseys that's falling off their arms because it's way too big and it's hanging down around their ankles <laughs> is the cutest thing ever. It's just, it's worth just watching. It is. (laughs) I love that we're bringing that back. Um, There are lots of field trips on the calendar. Be sure and check those out, um, both on the calendar and in the newsletter and on HSL for registration and more information. I've been talking to a couple of parents about creating more social events for our high school community. The seniors and sixth graders, as you know, have monthly social events for their group, but no other formalized regular social events happen for any other grades. And we would really love to see that change. I'd love to see more regular social opportunities, particularly for the high school crowd. And as it turns out, there are several parents out there who would also love to see that. So I'm hoping that those conversations end up in the creation of those kinds of activities in the months ahead. This doesn't have to be a regular monthly commitment on anyone's part, but if you are one of those parents who would like to see more events happen and you're willing to put one event together um, and you'd be willing to coordinate and, and run with that, please contact Vicki Greasaber at events at hcssd.org to get that scheduled and added to HSL and promoted in the newsletter. Finally, we have a dad's prayer breakfast coming up on Saturday, November 12th. Free food and fellowship. What more is there to say? Well, okay, actually, there's a little more to say. (laughs) Um, Dads often feel like they're sitting on the sidelines of this whole homeschooling journey, and that just couldn't be further from the truth. I would really encourage you to encourage your husbands to take advantage of these prayer breakfasts. We do a few a year, um, and they just get to sit around with a bunch of other homeschool dads and hear about their questions and struggles and encouragement on ways that they can be involved and um, maybe some admonitions on ways they should be involved and different things that they can do to not feel like they're just sitting on the sidelines of this um, endeavor. So I would encourage all dads to go to that and wives, if, if 
since your husbands may not be listening to this podcast, if you could be encouraging them to go to that, um, I think they will be greatly blessed by the conversation that they have there. Well, stay tuned for the next episode, which will be about all things AP, interviewing with Heather Jensen, who is very knowledgeable about this topic, and she has so much to share about um, AP classes and tests and college prep kinds of things. I'm very excited to have her here on the show next time and have that discussion. So stay tuned for that in the next couple of weeks. Um, That's it for today, though. Have a great week.